Welcome to the 14th episode of the Hail Mary podcast. I'm A. Toves, and I'm joined by my husband, the Toves. We're back to give our hot takes on the latest UTSA athletics and throw some Hail Mary shots downfield for our listeners to love or hate. Last week, I closed the podcast by saying we'd crush Lamar, and crush him, we did. UTSA finished the night with a program first shutout, scoring 54 unanswered points, the largest margin of victory in program history. UTSA's defense held Lamar to just 122 yards of total offense, the fewest yards allowed by our defense in program history. If there were any doubts about this being a trap game, they were quickly eliminated when Sticks returned Lamar's punt for a touchdown, making Sticks only the second roadrunner in program history to return a punt for a touchdown. The next two drives for UTSA sputtered a bit, resulting in field goals, but they were followed up by two touchdown runs by McCormick and a fumble return for a touchdown by Charles Wiley. UTSA took a 34-0 lead into halftime. Trailer emptied the bench in the second half. UTSA's first drive started strong with a 32-yard touchdown pass from Josh Adkins to Zachary Franklin. Adkins added another field goal and a 16-yard touchdown pass to JT Clark before handing the, the quarterback duties over to Eddie Lee in the fourth quarter. The last scoring drive showcased the future of UTSA football with run plays by sophomore running backs Kedrick Cobbs and Jalen Lott, and the first field goal by sophomore Everett Ornstein. Overall, UTSA ended the night with 426 yards of offense, 321 yards passing, and 105 yards rushing. Adkins was 11 of 13 for 134 yards, Harris was 13 of 15 for 118 yards, and Eddie Lee was 2 of 4 for 69 yards. All in all, a dominant performance by UTSA in their home opener. So what were your overall thoughts on the game? So first of all, let's go back and discuss last week. Last week, we talked about there was no drop-off when we had subs in the game. And we saw that again this week. So it really leads into the whole having a consistent performance the entire time. And so we saw that yet again. Um, which is really impressive, especially if you have 18 to 24 year old players. Like you know, you you think you see that from P5 teams, but sometimes you really don't, and you see this more often than not with more experienced G5 teams. Um, and this team is a little more experienced. Um, but I gotta say, like you know, looking back at all the, those two things, um, you had also asked me last week, 2017, what are the differences? And you'd come off that big win against Baylor and then played Southern in the in the Dome. Uh, again, another FCS-level program. First, the home opener for the uh, for UTSA. And this this year, it's Lamar. The difference is, is that against Southern, the bench was emptied around halftime, which is around the same time the trailer did here, but there was a noticeable drop-off in play mm-hmm. that you, that we could definitely see. Here, again, not so. Like, the, the defense stayed disciplined. The Offense, you know, again, sputtered a little bit here or there, but I, you know, I think you start nitpicking a little bit because mm-hmm. obviously you want to see them put up touchdowns as opposed to just multiple field goals. But, you know, the reality is no punts in the game. So, right. you know, uh, it was it was a dominant performance by the Roadrunners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, it's easy to nitpick and say, well, we should have gotten a touchdown in, you know, this circumstance, we should have got a touchdown in that circumstance. But we had no punts whatsoever. We got points on every single drive except for the last drive where, you know, the clock ran out. Um, and really, we played, 
I mean, I think they said over 80 players, you know, so it was really a, a large majority, almost all of our players, you know, there's probably what, 110, 115 something players on the team. So, I mean, you played about 75% of your, um, your personnel at some point, and we really didn't make any significant mistakes, which, you know, I think is just huge and something that trailers got to be really proud of. Yeah, I mean, last week at Illinois, we were just amazed by the fact that it was just domination, essentially from kickoff to the you know end of the fourth quarter. Same thing here. So, um, you know, we can we can certainly, like you said, nitpick. Yeah. You know, you can say this or that, but um, it, it really is showing what uh, what a difference this coaching staff has made with the team. And um, I do want to say that. Just in, I guess I didn't really notice it as much um, uh, at, at Champaign, but it was much more evident here just how fast this team is. Right. Obviously, they're we could tell they're also stronger, but the speed. Uh, I don't think I've ever really seen Sticks run that fast. Right. He looked fast. Um, the defense, the way it swarmed at times, just looked fast. The other thing I want to bring out too, though, is and I didn't talk about it last week with you. Yes, this is a veteran team, but last week they had three penalties for 45 yards. All right, so two of them were on, were on one player alone. Right. Back-to-back plays, essentially. Um, this week is two penalties for 15 yards. One with, And then you had another one that was actually declined. So, again, you, you got about three penalties each week. But this week, with having so many players play, you would have imagined we could have gotten a little bogged down with, you know, some sort of penalties right. uh, with these players. You didn't. So, uh, again, it's just that establishing that level of play that's consistent. And you know what? It puts you in position to win. Uh, And I made this comment to you. I'm not really sure that this is necessarily um, a true statement, but I'll throw it out there anyway. It's, to me, beginning to look a lot like last year's game, some of those close games that they weren't just able to overcome their opponents. Um, Some of it looks like it really was conditioning. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, and, and it led to bad execution on plays um, because it just doesn't look like they're getting tired out there. Um, you know, in fact, it just looked like these guys look fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a tough physical game with Illinois, I would have imagined, you know, we've got some banged up players. It's things might go a little south and it just didn't. It was again, domination. It was fast. It was, and maybe the race facility also has something to do with it. Now that they've got some sort of, um, you know, medical attention a little more consistent than they did uh, previous seasons, but I, the team looks good. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that also speaks to their depth because you've got so many players that can rotate in, so you're not necessarily having to play as high of a rep count for your um, for your starters, which probably helps keep them fresh. But you know, going back into the season, you know, there's there were the the question of hey, which do we get first, the shutout or do we get kick return um, for a touchdown and I had said I thought we would get a kick return first because typically by the time you empty the bench you know there is kind of enough of a drop off that you see the team at least be able to get a field goal but we didn't see that you know we really saw great consistency particularly in our defense Um, I think Lamar crossed the 50 yard line like two maybe three times the entire game so it was pretty impressive showing by our, our defense. Obviously, a program um, record. So it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't. Lamar didn't get very far, and that was a concern I think heading into the game, which was, 
you know, it's an option offense, something that you normally don't see. It's very army like, and mm-hmm. you know, it was brought up when we rewatched the game um, uh, on TV. But um, you know, again, it's the the team looked focused. So um, you know, I, I think you know that drop off that we thought we would see in terms of level of play just never materialized. And again, I think coaching and execution continues to play a part there. So. Um, let's talk a little bit about the offense. We're going to nitpick a little bit here, but um, they did some stretch runs, um, sort of the east-west, I guess you could say, that um, just didn't work. I I think they were trying, and maybe they saw something against Lamar's defense um, from last week and maybe previous previous games in the spring. Um, It just didn't, it wasn't working. Um, and, And uh, you know, it looked like we just needed to rush Sincere up the middle. And when we did, we got a few touchdowns out of it. Um, so that was really, I think, a, a good thing, though. I also feel like they could have used maybe those bubble screens a little bit more. And then sort of like those just kind of motion passes to um, um, Josh Cephas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they put him in motion and then they just kind of flare the ball out to him in the flats. Um, sometimes they're called smoke screens, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, those quick hitters really enabled, to me, us to get on the edge without having to, um, you know, put Sincere or Brendan Brady uh, and give him the handoff out there. So a little nitpicking there, but considering I think Frank really was, I think his biggest problem was trying to figure out who am I going to throw to. Mm-hmm. Um, normally you see somebody open against a, another defense and you're like, all right, well, Josh is open or Zakari's open. In this case, um, everybody was available, and I, I think it was just sort of an embarrassment of riches. Um, I will say the babyface receiving assassin was at it again. Um, he just, he still looks dominant. And you were like, well, he seems kind of slow in the way he he it, runs. The way he runs, it just doesn't look like he's moving very fast, but he is. But it's just, I don't know, there's just something about the way he runs that's kind of deceiving. It's a smoothness that he has, and I, and I think that's what really kind of adds to that that innocent face, but yeah. God, he's brutal on the, I mean, he's, he's just tearing apart defensive backs on mm-hmm. that big pass that he, it was just a short pass that he caught. Um, he wasn't wrapped up and then he just disrespected the cornerback. I, I think it was the cornerback or it was a safety. I can't remember. It, it was just, hand in the guy's face. yeah, I mean, he stiffed on him and it, it just wasn't even pretty. I mean, it was like, hopefully that kid's family wasn't in, wasn't in the dome because that was just embarrassing. Um, I just keep thinking, though, if he really turns on the Jets at some point, like, man, he could be really fast because he just doesn't look like he's trying that hard when he runs. It's like, you know, it looks like there's another, he could have another level of speed. Yes, he does kind of pause and kind of look around, but I think he's trying to see how he's going to make his next move. And, um, you know, it's good for him. You know, again, success. Um, The other thing is, I just kind of a note here, is you just got to love the zip on Josh Atkins and... Um, Eddie Lee's passes like there's there's a clear difference um, when they're throwing out routes or throwing throwing balls downfield from Frank whereas Frank seems to kind of he you know we can go over this over and over but yeah I mean it it, he kind of noodle arms it sometimes and it's it's not doesn't have that zip but these two just showed a zip on their passes and it just kind of gives you I mean first of all you're happy because Josh is your backup quarterback and you're like well okay we should be okay when he comes in. Um, and honestly, we really are. But um, Eddie Lee, the the thing, you know, I saw was just he had that zone defense uh, on him. And 
he threw it over to Cade Stover. Um, the two defenders seemed like they were covering grass. And, I mean, obviously one of them was covering the outside and making sure that if Eddie Lee dis- did decide to turn it upfield, that he was there to make the tackle. But there was another guy, and I, I want to say maybe he was a cornerback, maybe he was a safety. I think it was a cornerback, though. I'm not really sure what he was doing because – um, he should have dropped off a little bit further and taken that pass away from Eddie Lee. Instead, Eddie Lee still gets off that, gets that pass off, and Cade just makes a big play from there. So, um, a little bizarre from Lamar, but you know what? What can you say? I mean, the the offense, like we said, kind of sputtered at times. Didn't get all the touchdowns that maybe we were hoping for, but you know they scored so that's all that really mattered yeah and how great was it hearing all the students like cheering you know and, and che- chanting um eddie's name when he got out there like it was kind of great sort of seeing the future again of what roadrunner football um is going to look like in you know probably two years maybe a year depending on you know who decides to stay next year yeah so let's go over to the um the defense um, it was just an impressive stand, as I put it, by the defenders of the Dome. Mm-hmm. They swarmed, and boy, did they swarm at times. And I, I was just really impressed with, again, that discipline that they had um, when it came to the option offense. That option offense can throw you off. If you don't, if you don't stay disciplined and play your assignment, that's where the option gets you. I mean, it's just like with any offense, except with this it feels easy to go and you know try to make a play but you usually overrun it you usually you know make a mistake and uh you allow the the offense to really make a big play out of it so um the fact that we swarmed and yet we're still able to have sort of you know i would i called it sort of a disciplined aggressiveness I, it was it was just great to see from the defense um they could have easily mailed it in against um against this team especially you know we'll rehash again when um, the subs came in, but everybody stayed in their lanes. And, you know, from those doubts that we had about Lep and, and Wright, you know, and I wouldn't say doubts, I would say we just questioned how that dynamic would work. It's clearly working because I, I get those as an FCS team, but uh, it just looked, they look good. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and the last thing I just want to tell you is just tackling. Um, we talked about sort of that discipline and aggressiveness. And the one thing you might do is just start kind of trying to arm tackle. Um, that wasn't it this time. This time it really was the fact that they made tackles. Uh, you know, I think maybe they missed one or two, but uh, for the most part, I didn't see any issues out there. So Yeah, I think the, the one thing that the defense, again, you know, they got the two fumble recoveries, but I think the one thing that they'll probably be kicking themselves again about is, you know, there was an opportunity for at least one interception that they didn't get. So, you know, at some point this season, they're going to, Celebrate as soon as they get that actual interception. Yeah, um, I mean they got pressure in the backfield. Um, they they did plenty uh, with this against Lamar, but and a sack. That's the other thing. They didn't get a sack either. So they didn't. But you know, I think what it really comes down to is they're keeping their assignments and they're playing smart, and it's keeping them in games. Um, in this case, they just overwhelmed Lamar. So right. anything else you want to talk about? Nope, I think we covered it. All right, let's go on to the next one. I know we already covered a lot, but what did we learn from this game? I don't think there was really a lot to take away from this game. Um, Again, FCS, you've got, you know, everybody pretty much playing well. So let's have a little fun with this. You know, and this, I would say the main thing, the future does look bright as you brought it up. 
Um, they really we talked about the no significant drop off, but um, you know it just looked it looked fun to see some of these young guys get out there and just be able to fly around on the field outside of practice against a real opponent. And so um, I don't know about you, but for me seeing you know Eddie Lee get some time out there and and really Kate Stover was um, it was on the two deep last week, but to see him make an impact. Um, and just to see some other guys take some snaps, maybe they didn't get get to make a, a stat. Um, however, having them have some time mm-hmm. really, I think, is good for the team moving forward. Um, we did talk about, or at least mention, the fact that some of our starters needed some rest, okay. and um, I, I think that you know getting to see that early sort of look at the future um, was crucial, so that these starters could get some time off, and you know. Yeah, interestingly, they um, they played two different guys um, in center uh, after you know Maka left um, in the first half, and the snaps looked really good. I mean, I thought we were going to see some more playing time from KD, but um, but that wasn't the case. Um, you know, there were two different guys that played center: one with Adkins and one with um, Eddie Lee. Eddie Lee, and um, they really did a, a really great job. Um, Alleman was the was the one who was in um, with Eddie Lee, and then I think with Josh it was, it was Demetrius Allen, was it? Yeah, Demetrius Allen. Um, and again, both of those snaps. I mean, I think I saw Josh maybe take one that looked a little bit high, but it wasn't, you know, anything that that looked, you know, like they didn't have a lot of experience or, you know, every now and then you just get a high snap. And it could be that. Um... You know, one of the things that Trailer had talked about, oh, we're down to our fourth, you know, we lost, like, our most of our centers. It could be that while KD is always going to slide over, mm-hmm. maybe in some of the bigger games, at least in this game, there was predetermined that we were still going to be, we were going to actually play some of these backup centers. So, to your point, good to see them um, get some snaps, um, and maybe they're back, and we're not, um, we don't have to worry about... You know, Maka potentially being hurt for a long time. He was out there as well, right. uh, which was surprising because um, he missed quite a, essentially three quarters of the last game. So, hope you know, hopefully he's healed up and he's ready to go because it's going to be a long stretch right. um, of games that are coming up. So, um, I think the other thing we learned, um, which maybe we had just looked past um, last week, maybe we've looked past it before in from last season, but uh, after every extra point made and after every field goal, uh, Hunter DePlacis and uh, and Leroy Watson look at each other and do a little shuffle. And well, shimmy. Uh, shimmy, shuffle, it's yeah. whatever you want to call it. It's <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. It's fun to see. Um, the, I had actually sent out a tweet during the game and I said, this team really likes playing with each other. You can tell and it kind of just pours over into how they play out there. Um, and you know, I think if you're really truly watching the game, it uh, I think it brings a smile to your face just to see these guys, um, you know, dancing around, having some fun. Now we have mentioned before that Leroy was a dancer, so yeah, I think to me, I think that shuffle or the I'm sorry, the shimmy is probably restraining him because I think if he could, he would out there maybe cumbia, maybe he would throw out <laughs> some other moves. But well, I mean, we know he likes to <clears throat> sing, we know he likes to dance, so who knows what he what he would do. And I think that that whatever 
that is is that Hunter probably told them let's dial it back we don't want to get a penalty so yeah um, but if you do want to see um, you know what we're talking about I did tweet that out today so you can uh, look at my Twitter account and you'll be able to see uh, a little clip from ESPN of the uh, Duplicis and Watson shimmy absolutely I think you had the third one for what did we learn from the oh, game oh yeah well we clearly learned after watching the um, the game on ESPN plus that they can't figure out our numbers um, they clearly don't know offense versus defense versus special teams. Um, they kept showing the name of the wrong player. So at one point, um, they had showed a kick by Hunter Duplessis and instead, like, what came up on the tag and said he was Brendan Brady. Um, and then there was another one where um, I think it was um, DQ had made a stop on defense and they put up his number and they said he was Kashawn Compton, who's a tight end. It was like, come on, guys, like, Offense versus defense, special teams. I mean, you got to get the basics down there, ESPN+. Plus. Well, even the PA announcer at the game was having problems. He was calling out the wrong wrong names, too. So Yeah, I think he called, at one point, they called um, Cephas Sticks because, you know, he's number two now. And it's just very confusing. It was a mess. So hopefully they clean it up. But um, if that's the biggest issue we have um, this game, you know, for the season, then good for us. All right, let's talk about the offensive player of the game. First, we'll start again, like we always do with the bootleg honorable mention, Leroy Watson. Leroy obviously played uh, his assignment, and, you know, just like he always does, shows up and really powers that running game. Um, Still really, I would say, being a cog there in that uh, rushing game. Now, we had earlier talked about how the fact that the stretch runs just weren't working out. But um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that was all tight ends. I, I think there was just some other issues that were going on. Um, that said, even going out in some of those pass routes, there was that pass that uh, Frank Harris threw down to Travion Bradley in the first half. Um, Leroy actually had gotten open as he dragged across the, the middle of the field. And I really thought that Frank was going to look downfield at Travion and then throw to Leroy. Because I got to tell you, Leroy was open. <laughs> He's had like about five yards away from his defender. So um, it didn't happen, but, um, uh, you know, he did get a catch later on with Josh Atkins um, and then really muscled over one of the defenders. So uh, kudos, Zero. And, of course, we can't, cannot uh, forget to reiterate that shimmy. You got to love a dancing tight end. Absolutely. I mean, he's got great leadership overall, and it really, you can see it through throughout the game, you know, and how he interacts with the guys. You know, we talked about it last year with the bowl game. You know, he's just really having a great time. Um, he's having a lot of fun, and it's really evident why he got a, a single digit and a one this year just based on his leadership. And I think if we could all just take some of that enthusiasm that he has and we could bottle it up, I think we would love our jobs even more. Yeah. If you love your job, great. If you are, you know, just not liking your job, just take what Leroy brings to the field, and I think you're going to be a much happier person because he just loves what he does. Um, that said, our player of the game, for me, was difficult because we really didn't have, I would say, anybody that really stood out. You know, obviously... Statistically, yeah. Yeah, sincere, so sincere was in there, but he wasn't. He didn't play a huge part this game. So, you know, when they were out there, everybody pretty much performed, but I got to give it to Cade Stover. Um, simply because that first pass that he caught, pretty much like a little bubble screen, but you could see the work in the weight room which probably led him to be the Larry Coker Memorial Scholarship winner. Right. Um, you showed the strength when he caught the pass to break uh, to break that tackle and then essentially made a really nice move downfield and, and 
I believe it was a third down. At the very least, got us a first down and kept the chains moving. So, a uh, big play from him there. And, of course, we can't forget um, the Eddie Lee pass that we talked about earlier. I got to say, Cade made the catch. Um, and most importantly, he made the yards after the catch. So, kudos to Cade. Um, hopefully, we get to see more impact from him as the season goes on. Because um, even though... Um, he's maybe one of the walk-ons. It's good to see them that they're still making impacts. And um, again, we've got a deep receiving core. So to see him playing and making big plays like that is going to get him more snaps. And uh, yeah, you got to take advantage of those snaps when you get them. And to to see what he did when he did have the opportunity um, was really great. Yeah, and I got we got to think that Trailer just had a wry smile, saying he probably does it during practice we don't get to see it but mm-hmm. good to see it on the actual field of play all right so now let's go to the other side of the ball the defensive player of the game again we'll start out with the bootleg honorable mention i've got two players here first i've got charles wiley tough not to include him when you see the big man um scoop up a fumble and rumble down the field and honestly I I wasn't sure that the end zone was going to stop him. He looked kind of like Forrest Gump when Forrest Gump catches that <laughs> kickoff return or makes that kickoff return and keeps going down the tunnel. Um, nothing was stopping Charles Wiley. And I think what was crucial and probably from his point of view when he talks about being a veteran and showing the young guys how to do it is that he secured the ball and then he went full speed down the field and did not try to look back, didn't do anything. He was focused on one thing, and that was getting the ball in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So... I know he had other stats, but I think that one play really epitomized some of the leadership and, you know, really example that um, he's trying to impart as a veteran. The other one is really more of a fun one, but it was still a really good play. Uh, but Lamont McDougal, um, I got to give you some props because um, you did shed your blocker and then you recovered the fumble, but it wasn't so much just that great play there. No, it was him celebrating afterwards, and then he sort of fumbles the ball, um, and then it hits him, I need to return the ball to the ref. So it's the funniest pickup of the ball, and then it's the way he returned it. It was kind of like, uh, back to you, sir, and like just <laughs> handed the ball back to the ref. Um, I tweeted it out. Um, I, I think it's hilarious. It, it was originally tweeted. It was actually a retweet of UTSA football, I believe. Just a funny moment, but um, again... Just some of those fun moments you see from college teams. And um, it's, it's really, I don't know, it, it's just a fun time to really capture and really epitomize what was going on yesterday with UTSA right. football. All right, so player of the game. I, I don't think that he really put together a big statistical performance, but I would say for the first half, I just kept seeing his number over and over um, on the field, and that was number seven, DeAdrian Taylor. Um, he did have a big tackle for loss early in the game, but I really felt in the first half, when I, I think he had most of his snaps, he lived in the backfield. Um, he still played discipline, but also when he was in coverage, he stayed disciplined. So I just, again, for me, and maybe as soon as I started zeroing in on him because I kept seeing his number everywhere on the field, I just wanted to nominate him and really give him that award for the week for the Hail Mary pod um, because I know that that's what's important to him is that <laughs> he gets this uh, shout-out for his defensive performance. Not to mention, you know, he, he did have a pretty good kick return. You know, I think for a moment we were all hoping he was going to take it you know, take it all the way, but um, he still got about, I don't know, 50 yards or so 
Um, so. Yeah, I mean, again, great performance from DeAdrian. So um, looking forward to see what the rest of his season looks like. So at the beginning of the season, we chose our breakout players. So let's talk about how they performed um, this week since almost all of our players um, actually saw the field this, this game. Uh, so on offense, I had Oscar Cardenas and you had Kedrick Cobbs. Yeah, so Oscar, I think, you know, again, pedestrian stat in terms of one catch for 19 yards. But again, much like Leroy, big on the blocking end. Um, I, I think when we look at the his whole season, it's it's going to be filled with more of him being a big blocking asset. Kedrick, on the other hand, uh, did get a few carries, um, three for 19 yards. It was good to see him actually get an action. And, and I think, you know... I think he's got some opportunities, but um, the way he was played this game um, really made me think that uh, while I went and took a big swing with him, um, he might be buried behind B.J. Daniels mm-hmm. um, in terms of being like a four-string running back, maybe even fifth with Jalen Lott out there because both of them seem to be splitting some time when they were um, as we got into the garbage time, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Trailer's probably trying to get B.J. Um, a little bit of action when he can, you know, given the fact that he is a super senior. Yeah, so I, I think with this one, um, I really want to push for um, sort of a splitting the point here and uh, at least getting me my first, my first, uh, or getting me on the board. Selfish, um, but okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's just me. Um, now, if we go to the defensive side, you had Kalechi and Wachiku, and I had Caden Holt. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for Caden Holt to be on the field. Um, and honestly, I didn't really see the, the Kansas linebackers out there. But then again, you had so many guys out there playing that they probably did make an appearance and we just didn't really notice. Yeah, I definitely saw Prox. Um, I don't know if I saw Feaster or not, but I definitely saw Prox when we went back and watched um, the game again. But I did notice that Holt at least was in the entire fourth quarter and if not actually previous to that. Um, and again... You know, we've talked about the drop-offs stuff before. I didn't feel like he, he got taken advantage of. Um, you know, he played his assignment and, you know, once again, dominant performance from the defense. Kelechi, I had seen him earlier in the game. But again, with Lamar being more of a running team, Kelechi's job was really to have run support. And if they did go into some sort of pass, then, you know, obviously he's got a different assignment there. But for the most part, because he's run support... It was going to be very difficult for him to make any sort of big impact mm-hmm. unless um, Lamar broke through the first and second level of our defense. And that rarely happened. I think it happened a couple times, and I put that in quotation marks, more because of the fact that I think we had gotten off the line of scrimmage some more. So it wasn't like it wasn't like we had missed tackles and right. the runner got out there. Um, so I think this goes back to again sort of a half point I think you know neither one of them actually put together a complete complete game or to be able to say oh Kelechi was just all over the place or Caden was all over the place Um, which leads back to our special teams which um, really clearly is showing that uh, we didn't really know what we were talking about or maybe we did we just well we went into this guessing because there wasn't really a lot of you know, they're, they've kind of played a couple of different um, combinations. And so, I mean, I, I was shooting in the dark. I think we both admitted we were shooting in the dark when it came to our special teams. And I still think Julon can, can make a, a, a bigger impact than BJ. But, um, 
uh, clearly because neither one of them fielded any sort of cake. We're both going to get the goose egg here for week two. Um, but we still have we still have plenty of time to make up some ground here. So Can I get points from BJ for playing on offense? Is that not how that works? No. <laughs> All right, well. We I'm said right. that's not how it's going to work. So <laughs> this week we split a point. We essentially get one point each. For the season, you're up 3-1. So let's see how the rest of the weeks treat me because I still think Kedrick's going to rip off some big run and will get me even further on the scoreboard. All right, we'll see. Before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the game day atmosphere that we had this week. You know, first time during post-COVID where we've had, you know, tailgating, we've had, you know, fans not having to be socially distanced in the stands. Um, you know, it felt good to kind of have a return to some normalcy. Um, I know there's been a lot of, you know, talk on Twitter about, uh, you know, how many people came to the game and if it was enough. And, you know, some people were excited. Some people were disappointed. We had, you know, just over 16,000 tickets sold. Um, but my personal opinion, I think we should be really excited about the fact, first and foremost, that the students showed up. You know, we do have to remember we are still in a pandemic. Um, the Alamo Dome says they have COVID protocols in place, but they're really virtually unheard of. Um, there are lots of people not wearing masks. There was no social distancing. Um, and I think there's still, you know, we are a team where people bring their kids to the games. And I think there's still a lot of families that are very concerned about bringing their unvaccinated children into the Alamo Dome, into an indoor stadium. Um, so I think we can't get too caught up um, in the numbers, you know, in terms of the attendance. Um, but we should be excited and we should be focused on, you know, the student section. Um, you know, we had a lot of students and it seemed like some of the changes they made in terms of trying to get, you know, the students to come inside the dome and not just stay out and tailgate seemed to help. And hopefully we continue to see that. There was a little bit of talk on Twitter about, you know, the bus situation afterwards. So hopefully that doesn't deter the students from coming. You know, I think if we see a good student turnout next week, you know, we'll know that we're, you know, on the path to success, regardless of what happens with the rest of the community. Because, you know, that, that age group, that demographic tends to be less concerned about COVID as some of, um, you know, your other demographics. And I think, you know, it's just the reality that we're in with the pandemic. If this was 2019 or 2018 and we didn't see a great turnout with the success we're having on the field, I'd be really discouraged. But I don't think we can let that, you know, really get to us given the reality that we do have. That's a good point. I think when it comes to the students, you know, I know there's been several people who have said, you know, let's stop focusing on the students. What about the rest of San Antonio? Well, I think you you first focus on the students because they're the ones that are there. They're the ones that are going to class with most of these players. So, you know, whether it's football players, whether it's basketball players, whatever it is. And they're the future. They're the friend, they're friends of those guys. So, and ladies that are playing the sports. So, you know, you want them going out to these athletic events and to essentially get energized because when they do, they become alumni and they go into uh, supporting the team slash university uh, once they leave. So um, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, seeing the students there, I, I kind of hypothesized to you that maybe it was because, you know, they've been virtual for the first couple weeks um, at UTSA that, 
now that they've they're essentially about to go back in person um i think this week that maybe this was kind of like the party before school actually starts so to speak right like they actually got to go out there and um you know it's also really fun to see the players post game kind of head over to the student section they you know kind of pointed at, at them and um there was just it was good to see the students just really cheer kind of that camaraderie between yes, the students it was like and hey. a lot of them stayed through the end of the game. I mean, you know, when you have a blowout like this, a lot of times you see the students, you see the fans leave, and there were still a lot of people in the Dome in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think, again, impressive. Um, but I also think that everything that Trailer's done and the team has really shown as well, I think there's beginning that buzz. And, I, you know, I know that everybody in San Antonio has... All sorts of options to take on a Saturday, um, but you know, potentially I, to me, spending an afternoon with the Roadrunners or an early night with the Roadrunners, um, they're a fun team to watch, um, and I, I think that they're putting a product in the field. Not only that's fun to watch, but I think that's going to lead to a little, mo- little bit more. And so, you don't want to be the last ones on the bus, and I don't mean to make that that comparison again with the, I know those problems post with <laughs> yeah. UTSA, but I, I do think that, um, that whatever happened in that situation was unfortunate. Hopefully they get it fixed, but this is our, our, I guess, attempt to fix that as well in terms of not the bus situation, but fans to go out there and, you know, go check out the Roadrunners. Just have some fun. Yeah. Support the team. That said, just want to quickly go through this um if you did attend the game um you you probably saw the donors of the game we were actually um recognized as donors of the game um it was cool it was a great experience a little bit flattering a little bit embarrassing yes (laughs) absolutely um you essentially have two introverted people here that are having fun talking on a microphone and um you know sans video because um i know our nephew had asked oh do you put this on YouTube, and we said no way. Um, so to to have that sort of flattering, um, though embarrassing honor, uh, I'll just say this: um, if you have the opportunity to donate to UTSA, whether it be to the athletic department, whether it be to just the university in general, um, to us, donations have always been about um, helping the students. Um, it, it's never been about having some sort of condition as to why we want to donate. We do it because we love the university and we want to continue see it succeed via the students. And the way you can impact a student is through donations. So um, whether to me, whether it's the, our money is used for um, the football team, the basketball teams, you know, softball, soccer, whatever it is, these men, these young men and women. Are representing UTSA and I gotta tell you I've never heard of any major issues with our program so it's it's a great program and I'm uh, really happy to continue to donate yeah and me personally I went to UTSA on scholarship so you know I think it's a great way to give back um, so if you have you know the opportunity to do it I just encourage you to do that absolutely so real quick let's talk about the rest of Conference USA they fared okay, I would say. I mean, uh, all the wins came from against FBS teams. FCS. Teams. FCS. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> all came against FCS teams. Um, so you knew that that was probably going to be a win. Though the La Tech game is probably the closest one, where um, an old UTSA name, Frank Selfo, 
um, really put some pressure on on the LaTeX team. Now, if we talk about FBS teams, we somewhat watched the uh, Western Kentucky game, and we're just kind of keeping an eye on it because, of course, Bailey Zappi, who's a Texan and who went to Houston Baptist, um, is a member of that team. And so um, our friend over at Alamo Domotable, Jared, has... I wouldn't say a man crush, but maybe he does have a man crush on Bailey Zappi. <laughs> He's definitely talked up Bailey Zappi over the years. And so, years. yeah. And um, just real quick on that. I mean, if you want, like, football junkie type of stuff from uh, from a, a podcast and sort of content, um, check out Alamo Dome Audible. Jared and them and Adrian do a great job. But Jared really has had some sort of man crush on Bailey Zappi. So caught my eye, and I love it. So, you know, watching them play against Army – was fun because he really did sling it around. It was fun to watch. But again, it goes back to the problems against Army. You know, Army's so disciplined. They, I think they had like a third and 18. And the announcers were like, There's, they're just in a bad position. There's no way they actually convert this. And then they converted. Because again, discipline play. And that to me kind of shows me where UTSA is at. They've gotten to more discipline play. And you see what how that benefits you. It keeps you in games, and it gives you opportunity to win more games than you lose. Yeah, but I think definitely, you know, that Western Kentucky team is one to watch out for. You know, I think that's a game that at the beginning of the season, you know, I thought we have a chance of losing. It's going to be, you know, a challenging game for us. And then watching that strong showing Western Kentucky had against the Army just, you know, tells me again that they're a team we need to watch out for. Disappointed in a lot of tech's performance against um, Southeast Louisiana. Um, so, you know, my thoughts that we were going to lose that game might be wrong. We'll have to see how they, they play um, the rest of the season, you know, especially seeing them come off of, you know, a, a strong showing against, um, at least in the first quarter against um, Mississippi State, then to go in and, you know, just be gifted this win really in the fourth quarter against um, Southeast Louisiana because they had a fumble. Um, it was kind of interesting. Um, and then, you know, for all of us who love to hate on Texas State, they barely beat FIU in overtime. But I was looking at, you know, Texas State, and if they win every game they're favored to win, this could be the year they make their first bowl appearance. So I'm gonna keep an eye on Texas State. They're Texas State, though, so that is true. most likely that probably that's not going to happen. But if they win, <laughs> not win, if they win every game. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's good to see, though, um, just from a competitive standpoint, because the better that they are, we're 4-0 against them. So I know, it makes our them. wins more, you know, more valuable if they were good <laughs> yeah. and we continue to beat them. Right, right. So, real quick, we're going to take a quick peek at um, Middle Tennessee. Next game coming up in the Dome. Now, look, um, we didn't really dive too deep into this. Um, we know there's been some general impressions about that Middle Tennessee um, defense. I still think that um, despite their improvement, much like much like many other teams that uh, we faced previously, this team, this UTSA team, with the depth and with their level of play, I'm not saying that it's going to be a romp, but I am thinking that it's not going to be as close of a game simply because I think Middle Tennessee's um, depth is going to be challenged by UTSA. And I still think that, um, you know, no matter how you want to look at Middle Tennessee, whether you think that there might be an upset special brewing or something going on, I will just point you to the fact that 
we could have had a lull in performance against Lamar, and we didn't. We saw a, t- a team that focused, that was, excuse me, that was focused and executed like they were still playing Illinois. And I, I right now, not doubting the Roadrunners in terms of um, the early season success. Any yeah, thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, right now, I think the line opened at 13, or the spread of, is at 13. Um, ESPN gives us a 77% chance of winning. I mean, again, I think, you know, Trailer fed the team some cheese after the game. So, you know, he did let them eat the cheese a little bit. But I do think that based on the performance that we've had in the first two games, um, this team is going to show up and they're going to take care of Middleton C. Yeah, I mean, I think that line actually opened up a little bit lower. But I think everybody's betting UTSA, so that's inflated this line. Regardless, there's a reason why it's getting inflated. It's because people have seen UTSA play, and I just don't... I don't see the lack of excitement from UTSA. I still think they're going to look across and see Middle Tennessee uh, uniforms, but they're going to play them as if they're playing Illinois or they're playing some other P5 school. So I think we're in for some fun next Saturday. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the Hail Mary podcast. I'm Atos. And I'm the Toves. We'll see you back next week after the Middle Tennessee game. Birds up, everybody.